0: This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. <laughs> um, great. Okay, thank you for that, um, uh, everyone. It's great to be here today. So my name's Lee Tilmanis, and um, and I work, work at a company that's really hard to pronounce. It's DIS. DS Computing, um, and we've been around uh, for about 10 years and um, and we do end-to-end consulting um, in uh, product development. And so I'm a UX consultant and... Um, Without really making any effort, um, recruitment has become my passion. So I've got lots of passions, but um, I realise that um, that recruitment is one of them. I'm really, um, you know, adamant about getting the right people um, for for research. And um, and I did a talk recently, so this is a bit of inception because that's me talking about a slide that's going to be in this talk. Um, but during, on this slide, I had this, um, this moment where I said, um, sometimes the hardest users to get are the best. And I really wanted to break that down today and, and talk about the tips that I've learned over the years in, um, in recruiting those right users. Because when, when you've got the right users and you get insights and you just, it really, um, it feels good and it's really great for the, um, for the project. Um, so the first tip is to know why it matters. And um, and I actually, oh, so I have a background, uh, I did psychology as an undergraduate and anybody here that's done that as an undergraduate will know that you spend time doing statistics and, um, you know, psychometrics and all this other stuff and writing lab reports. And then as a postgraduate, I went on and did um, applied statistics so even more statistics, population, surveys, um, sampling, all that sort of stuff. And so it was drilled into me, um, I guess, the importance of having a representative sample. Um, also, the biases that can come in, so non-response bias, sampling bias, um, and selection bias. I'm not gonna go into too much detail about all of them, but um, but uh, every time you've got a bias, which is a systematic error, it impacts uh your sample and how well that represents uh your population. For example, women are more likely to um in general to respond to surveys and quizzes and um, things like that online. And so without even realizing it, if you don't if, if the male opinion is really important to you and you don't actually make sure that you've got it uh, equal numbers or representative numbers of males and females, you could have in there a selection bias just by your um, by your recruitment method. Um, and so, tip two is to acknowledge your limitations, but. It's it's like a 12... Uh, sometimes it feels like a bit of a 12-step program where you're up there saying, I have a non-representative sample. It can feel really bad. But actually, by acknowledging that you have a non-representative sample, you're making the first step to having conversations because you can say... Well, I didn't actually, you know, perhaps what you're asking is outside the scope of the sample, um, and it's not representative in that way, and so we can't draw that conclusion. But, you know, we can still draw other conclusions. So it's just really important to acknowledge where your biases come in. Um, I really like uh, this this design process squiggle um, done by David, uh, I think it's David Newman, Uh, Damien Newman. Um, and I've overlaid it with the three, um, user-centered design sort of phases, research, design, and validation. And so my third tip is all about knowing when it matters. So we've talked about representative samples, but, um, there's a lot of effort into getting, into making sure that your sample matches your, your particular population. And it's not always important. And it's particularly, Sometimes it's important just because of the nature of the project, but a lot of times in the commercial world, um, when you're at the validation stage, it's not as important. And this is where um, uh, Jacob Nielsen Nielsen says, you know, five users are are enough, and Stephen Krug says, any user will do. So, and, And I really agree with that. But when we're up here at the research phase, then um, this all your insights are going to be based on the people that you actually get to speak to. And so if you have an important characteristic that isn't in your sample, you won't get those insights and be able to report them back. And um, and at DS, well, I guess at this end, this is my happy place. Um, I really love the research side of things. And at DS, we're all about trying to build the right things. And this is a bit of a plug for Amir because tomorrow at 2.50, uh, I think it is, in, the, in one of these rooms, he'll be talking about building the right thing. Oh, and just talking that some, some projects do go from uh, research all the way through to validation and some really only just are focusing on design. Perhaps you've got a competitor that already has a product. You don't really, you're not going back and reinventing the wheel, you're just creating another product. So, in um, the consulting world, this is how we save money for people, is knowing when they're at that end and when they're further down this end. And, you you know, I'm a big advocate for guerrilla testing and everything. It doesn't always have to be representative. It's just important to know when it is. Um, so, early in my career, so I've had a sort of a mixed career, but I've been doing a, been a UX consultant for about um, two and a half years now. And one of the first projects that I worked on, we actually got it wrong, and it was so frustrating for me. And this was, um, I think, the time when I really went right. I'm not going to let that happen again. Um, so, what happened was I'd just come back from maternity leave and was working part time, so I kind of dropped the ball a bit. But we, put, we were working with a recruitment company. And we had a brief for a recruitment screener and, um, and they wrote the screener and then they sent it through to us and, um, and I didn't really approve it, but when we spoke to the people at the end, uh, they were just completely wrong. And when I look back at the screener, it was, it was so poorly done. So, the first question was, what's your age? Second question, what's your gender? Um, the third question, what's your work status? And then I think there was a couple of other questions, but then there was this question that they actually put in and put out to, oh, I guess, their market research people, where they had this, just out of the blue, um, it was double barreled, which means you're asking for more than one thing at a time. It, was, it gave away the entire, what we were actually looking at, which was higher education. It, it was just... Uh, crazy! I can't believe the professional professional market research company actually turned our brief into this screener, and um, and it was it was my fault for not um, for not taking the time to check it properly. But as a result, we had all these stakeholders, we had pizza, we had people, we were going to do customer journeys, and it was just really hard to draw any conclusions because um, you'll notice that option two, I'm currently employed and looking. At studying, it's really vague. Like anyone could say that they were looking, and so people selected that option. But actually, when they came to our study, uh, we came to talk to them. They were just vaguely. They weren't actually in the in the planning process. So now I annoy the recruitment companies. I've doubled the time that we allow for doing screeners, and um, and we we put in questions like we were looking for solar. Um, solar ownership um, and so we just have a question with lots of negative uh, lots of wrong answers people can't tell what we're looking for um, we also I guess gather information about their behavior as we're doing that but uh, that's one of the ways is just really going through and, and making sure that our screeners um, are really good uh, because yeah it makes a massive difference Um, The fifth tip is own the process. And so this is the example um, of a project that I was working on where I was doing uh, research over in um, the US. And when I first was speaking to them about how and who I'd be recruiting, they said, well, you can fly over there. We've got customers in New York and we've got an important customer in Washington and then come back. And, uh, And so I very politely said, no, actually... I'm going to speak to your sales consultants and your customer service. I'm going, to speak, I'm going to go through your customer list. I'm going to talk to them about the characteristics of these customers, understand them, and then I'm going to work out my list and work out my travel itinerary, keeping in mind that it is going to be a geographic sample um, because I couldn't travel everywhere. It couldn't be completely random, but I could do my best to make it good. Um, so originally it was just New York and, um, and Washington, but I expanded it out to Rhode Island um, because there was a, a client there that worked in a hospital setting and had was seemed to be a very active user, and then had dropped off. And I thought, oh, I really want to speak to them. And I also even managed to work out that. Um, I wonder if this is coming up, that, we, that there's a plane that flies out of Dallas. And so I could go down to Alabama and, um, and do one there. And I thought this is really great because it's a regional setting and there'll be a different sort of environment there. Um, so, so I own the process. And then tip six, which is I think what really makes me good at being at getting the right user is work really hard for the Yes. And so, in this example where I was really adamant that I wanted the person from Rhode Island, um, it was a really long and lengthy kind of uh, process. Um, So, we sent a recruitment uh, letter. Um, They sent back and said, call me at these times. I had to stay up into the middle of the night. I couldn't get hold of them. I was so many nights staying up, all the while trying to plan my US trip. Um, I made this big, long screener, Um, finally got to speak to them, said, I'll send it through their information, or not, that wasn't a screener, that was, sorry, a patient information consent form. Um, They said, fine, but you have to get approval. Um, Made up this consent form, um, and in the end, it was down to about half an hour beforehand it got approved. And and this was really great because uh, here I was listening to this guy talk, and what ended up happening was the biggest insight of the entire project happened during this in, uh, during this session. Um, this particular user, they thought that the product had a whole lot of usability issues. This particular user had no usability issues with the product. Um, and um, and so he did the assessment and he got an insight from the assessment. And then I'm asking him, you got this insight, um, you know, uh, can you explain that to me? And he's there going, oh, I got an insight, did I? Well, I don't remember that. And then he's here going, oh, yeah, I did get an insight, it was this. And then he's here saying, yeah, but I don't really care about that insight. And so from this one person and this one example, I was able to show to this company that the, pro- the problem with the product wasn't usability and it wasn't that it didn't give insights. It was that users didn't care about the insights that it gave. And this was massive and it really changed the course of this product. Um, and uh, there are my tips again. So this is how to get the right u- users. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.